You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of Intelligent Radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask it, the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. I got a couple of special guests on with me this morning. Uh, Kay Wolf, as well as Ms. Ida Bird here. Ms. Ida, how you doing, Queen? I am fabulous, and you? Doing well, doing well. Kay, how you doing this morning? I'm doing super great and fantastic. Glad to hear you doing well. That sounds morning. good. Sounds good. Ida, um, Mr. Wilmers, Ida, can I? T- do you have the um, the show in the background? Because I think I'm hearing something feedback, a little feedback on your line. Oh yeah, that's how. Check it, it real be. quick. Let me just turn it off. Yeah, yeah, that'll help. That definitely will help. Just want to get that clarified. All right, for everybody out there listening, go ahead and get this thing started. Again, I got a couple of special guests. Um, I'll start with you, uh, Ms. Ida, if you will, Ms. Ida Bird-Hill. She is the CEO of Automation Works. Um, But if you will, Queen, I'll let you go a little more into your background as it relates to this morning's discussion question, which I'll go ahead and let the cat out the bag. Is should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL? So look forward to this discussion with you this morning. But thank you for being our special guest this morning. How are you doing? I'm just fabulous. Thank you for having me on. Um, And I'm going to just jump right into the discussion because um, I do believe that cybersecurity should be one of the main fields that African Americans should go into right now. Um, I know a lot of them are not thinking about it, but with all of the discussion that we've had the last couple of weeks from the federal government as it relates to the colonial pipeline attack, and particularly for those in the Southeast who had to go without gas for a few days, we need to really have a, a real conversation about that. 
No, we absolutely want to jump into that. I just, if you would, I just wanted to, to give let the audience hear a little bit more about your background as well, Queen. Uh, obviously, I said you're the CEO of Automation Works, but you know that title alone, you know, just let them, let them know exactly what you're doing out here because I always tell people I like to bring on people who are a little smarter than myself about the subject matter that we're discussing. So I want them to understand that you are absolutely qualified to have this discussion, if you will, this morning. So if you will, Queen, yeah, let, let them know who you are. Well, first of all, I have a bachelor's in economics from the University of Michigan, so I'm not your traditional checking. I'm a financial woman. I look at the numbers. I look at the data. I have an MBA from Jack Walsh Management Institute at Strayer University, specializing in strategy and people management, so I understand how people think as well as their data. Now, I came to the tech world really from a human resources perspective because I started my career in HR and sales, was a headhunter for a few years, about three years for Fortune Personnel Consultants, and placed technical attorneys all over the world. And I got to see the world a little differently from most, because although a lot of us talk about money rules the world, money does not rule the world. Intellectual property rules the world, because he or she who has all the intellectual property holds all the money. Um, and so having placed those intellectual property attorneys all over the place, you got to see that how technology is what drives money. And it's going to keep driving money um, forever. And so I spent a lot of my career, career automating places. I have a background in COBOL, Fortran, and BASIC. And what most people don't know is the financial institutions were very dependent upon COBOL. So we were able to use that to automate a lot of the functions of the bank. Um, and so we're just in that, that mode in America where everything is going to be automated. And we've been right smack in the middle of it. But then I took a couple years off, I would say more than a couple, more like 15, to decide that I was going to deal with the educational scenario here in Detroit. Um, we had a scenario where the schools were taken over by the state of Michigan because they were defined as the worst schools in America. And I have to tell people that was not true. It depends on who you talk to. The year that they took over those schools, which was 1999, they had the most African-Americans ever in the history of that school district to get scholarships to college. So if you're a white person and you didn't want any threats from black people, that was a horrible year for you. But for black people who were in that system, that was a grand year because millions of dollars of scholarships flowed to young people, and they went to college for free. So they took over the school district under the guise that it was failing, but it really wasn't failing. It was only failing for those who did not want an educated black person to step into the arena of America. And so I decided to get into that battle because I was there. I saw that the students were doing quite well, but then when they got into the, the whole takeover, the students were starting to get gypped. They weren't getting the curriculum they needed. They weren't getting the money for the classrooms they needed. And I decided to put my okay. children in the mix of that and decided that that was not going to happen. So I bring a different perspective to the table that's not only just purely technical, it's both economic, data-driven, and in the community-driven. Now, I love all that background. Absolutely, Miss um, Ida. Um, and, and if you will, just if, um, in automation work specifically, um, if you will, um, let, 
share that information, and I want to introduce them to Kay as well because we have a break to go to. So um, just um, automation work, specifically what are you teaching people with that from what I understand, you know, just from what I saw. We are a cybersecurity reskilling firm, and we are teaching cybersecurity, Internet of Things, and network engineering. Um, eventually, we will get into digital marketing because it relates to all of that, that, those areas, but that's kind of where we're focused, and that, that's kind of my baby. I'll probably be spending the next 10 years grooming that baby because I'm trying to get it to 50,000 students, mainly African-American, people of color students. So we're, we're in that space now. We have students all over the country um, that are learning the, tech, the technical side of cybersecurity, network engineering, and Internet of Things, which is where this economy is sitting right now. Yeah, that's perfect because that gets us right into this morning's topic. But um, before I get hot and heavy into it, let's introduce everyone to Kay Wolf. Um, thank you, Queen, for being on with us this morning. You're no slouch yourself when it comes to this information technology and cybersecurity. So if you will, Queen, just give a little bit of your background. We're going to go to our first break and get hot and heavy in this morning's discussion. Should Information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL. Again, introduce yourself, Queen. Thank you for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me here, Montoya. I always uh, enjoy mental dialogue discourse, and it's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me on today. My name is Kay Wolf, and I am a network services professional. I've got over 15 years of technology solutions experience, and I'm actually a student at Automation Works Institute, cybersecurity student. I have a master's in business and MBA from Full Sail University, and I transitioned last year into um, working in cybersecurity because I've been in network services for uh, going on three years now, and it's fun. It's really fun. Um, I'm insatiably curious, lifelong learner, and I think big. I like to inspire others and deliver results and have fun. Uh, the Automation Works Institute curriculum is engaging. It's um, dynamic. It's up-to-date. It's super current, um, extremely informative program. And I highly recommend it. I also love to teach and share knowledge. So a program that I'm starting is Cybersecurity Solutions for Everyone Online, and it's just a beginner-level introduction to cybersecurity basics one-on-one to secure your identity, your digital your digital identity, your um, and to secure your home network and your mobile devices. I love it. That's perfect. Great backgrounds. I think it's actually a perfect mix. We got Miss Ida, who, in a sense, teaches and gets people into cybersecurity. You having an intensive background in tech, as well as being, in a sense, new to cybersecurity. So I think it's, to a degree, a perfect mix for this morning's discussion question as we go to our first break. Should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL? We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. 
every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Hackers breached the company's computer system, so Colonial was forced to shut down the pipeline, cutting off a major source of gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel to several states. Here's what panic buying could do. Hurt consumers long-term, warns Gas Buddy Petroleum Analyst Patrick DeHaan. The first thinking is, oh boy, prices are going to skyrocket and I need to fill everything I can with gas. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that actually makes the problem much more acute. This chaos left in the wake of Colonial Pipeline's ransomware attack has heightened concerns about America's cybersecurity. The energy grid and water supply have almost no federally mandated cybersecurity protections. And that vulnerability is costing millions of dollars. Listen to what Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said on Tuesday. More than $350 million in losses are attributable to ransomware attacks this year. That's a more than 300% increase over last year's uh, victimization of companies. You know, Colonial Pipeline isn't the only ransomware attack happening right now. Did you know it's also happening at the Washington, D.C. Police Department? Hackers have reportedly stolen all kinds of information, including personnel files of police officers, and they're constantly releasing them until their demands are met. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL? My special guest, Kay Wolf, as well as Ida Bird Hill, both experts in this area, as you've heard prior to the break, we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. Um, Ms. Ida, I'm going to start with you because you mentioned this prior to the break. Um, here in the Georgia, specifically where I'm at, in the southeast and maybe on the, in the northeast, had some issues with gas due to a cybersecurity attack that affected, again, a gas shortage throughout the, the southeast. And I experienced it to a degree not too bad so that we, again, have to mention before we get hot and heavy into this concept of what our African-American children in a sense should be doing and entering into this field. Let's talk about what happened with that because that situation in my opinion, ups the demand, which eventually can trickle down and we can take advantage of in our community. But if you will, Queen, just break down what you understand about that ransomware attack, which is a term I just learned because of this. So, uh, yeah, get us up to date with that, if you don't mind, Queen. What ransomware basically says is that I'm going to hold your computer system hostage in exchange for some money. So you won't be able to use your system until you give me the money, and then when I, you give me the money, I'll give you back your system. Now, that to me is sweet because it used to be if I did ransom, it related to kidnapping a physical person. So I'm no longer kidnapping people. I'm kidnapping your technical system. And while Colonial Pipeline got a lot of press, ransomware has grown by 600% already this year. They're not the only company. There's skiers of companies. You've had plane companies. You had even Apple, one of its suppliers got hit with ransomware, and they asked them for $50 million. Because right now, everything is based and grounded in technology. Everything you do from your phone down to social services have computer systems. 
So if I want to make a money as a criminal gang, I could go and take over your system and say, if you want to get back into your data, then this is what you're going to pay me. I think it's the slickest criminal activity ever, and it's actually working for those gangs. Now, it's not working for the rest of the world because they're losing all type of things in, in doing that. Not only are they losing money, they're losing data of people's personal credit cards and social security numbers. They're losing industrial trade seekers because we do have corporate espionage. And even the federal government has been hacked um, because technology is where everybody's living, and that's where all the activity is happening. No, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, when I you know, obviously experienced this unexpectedly, uh, again, being in a state that was actually declared to be a state of emergency due to this gas shortage, uh, you know, you don't even realize it until you hit, hit, hit you, if you will. But as I'm thinking about it, I'm going, wow, if it can happen on this level, um, how easy are we targets individually because all of us are so dependent on technology, if you will, so, Kay, if you will, just kind of give me your thoughts in reference to, uh, you know, this actual oil, oil shortage. Uh, for what I understand was, uh, you know, for I guess what we've been able to um, surmise from the media was by a group called Dark Side, some, I guess some Eastern Europe criminal group, and they basically did exactly what Miss Ida said to the extent. I think I've heard from one of my friends they got away with $4 because they end up having the money sent via blockchain, which is another, you know, obviously we're talking about – cryptocurrency and that form of technology so it can't be traced so right now from what i understand they pulled us off and, and right now they got away scot-free with it due to as, as miss ida said uh, the slickest crime there is um but your thoughts on this situation as well go ahead Kay. yes i second everything miss ida said and she's right on point and uh to touch on what you said about how it affects us individually it's absolutely an issue that you're using, you know, today, if you're using email or installing or updating software on your devices, surfing the web, you're at risk for identity theft and viruses. If you use a, uh, a service, a banking service or government service that has your information in an online server, you are at risk for identity theft. And um, even if it's no fault of your own. So there are actions that you can take to secure your personal data. And, sm and small businesses can take actions to secure their business data. Um, something that is similar to ransomware is a uh, getting a, a pop-up virus that will lock up your personal computer. And this is something that in my uh, uh, three years as a network services technician, I've experienced, you know, um, baby people in baby boomer age, even people millennial age, falling victim to these crimes. They'll get a pop-up on their computer telling them to call a number because there's a, um, a virus that's been identified on the machine. And if they want access to their machine again, they have to call the number. They call the number, and they get some bogus story, it's a virus, and they're just trying to steal money. Uh, there are ways that you can avoid falling victim to that situation, and then there, there are recovery solutions for you. Um, first of all, if you get a pop-up like that, 
don't call the number. Don't call the number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, um, no doubt. And, and, and the thing is, Kay, what we'll do, if you don't mind, Queen, what we'll do is, because obviously you know that information is for everybody out there listening, Kay, we're gonna, she's going to be breaking down how to protect yourself. I just want to move into that a little later as we transition, if you don't mind, Queen, um, at this moment, just to the, the concept of this morning's discussion question. Because, again, how could we start that after what happened to us on a nationwide basis? And like I said, it opened my eyes to, you know, again, what personally could happen. And, and again, for all of our small business owners out there, which you mentioned, uh, believe it or not, they're after you too. And so we definitely want to show and tell people how to get protected, you know, if you will. Uh, but, Ms. Ida, you mentioned there's been a 600% increase when it comes to, if you will, these cyber crimes. And so when we ask the question, should information technology and cybersecurity uh, become black folks' new NFL and NBA, there's an amazing opportunity unfortunately due to these crimes increasing right 600 percent people are needed i mean this has been some years ago and i'm pretty sure it hasn't changed and i've seen various numbers throughout but uh, for example um even graduating enough people from our colleges that can in a sense fit into um, these jobs or according to automation works, we, like you said, you want to get to 50,000 students because you know, and looking at the numbers, we are underfilling those jobs in the country. So when you see something like this, I would assume the demand, which has already been very high, absolutely increases. And a lot of the companies are quite, from what I understand, and tell me if this is a factor in this, um, but from what I understand, um, a lot of companies or because we have shortages throughout the country are having to resort to, I shouldn't say resort, but they are relying on a lot of immigrant knowledge in reference to this field and they're bringing them to the country and things of that nature. I, I wonder, and you can definitely, this is kind of the direct, I know I said a lot, but here's the question. I wonder when it comes to cybersecurity and, for example, this was a foreign attack, right? I wonder, is there a, a bigger push to have, in a sense, more Americans, in a sense, protecting our cybersecurity, if you will, from foreign entities due to something like this? What are your thoughts on that, Queen? Well, first of all, America always wants more Americans employed in every career. The problem is, is that where do they find them? Right now, Cybersecurity Ventures has said that cybercrime will, will eclipse $6 trillion this year, $6 trillion, generating potential openings of 3.5 million people for cybersecurity jobs. So right now, where do you find them? They're coming from overseas because they're not here in the U.S. Secondly, all of them don't have a bachelor's degree. What most people do not realize is that you don't need a bachelor's degree to go into technology. You need some training and preferably a certification that will replace a four-year bachelor's degree. So if you spent nine to 12 months or nine to 18 months getting training and a certification, they will gladly welcome you to the field, which to me gives grand opportunity to African-Americans because you don't have to go spend four years and get nothing from it, and you can be working for those years with training and certification. So, yes, America always wants Americans, but the truth of the matter is African-Americans are not going into science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Right now, only 3.5% of those who are getting any education in America 
have gone into science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So if, they, if we're not supplying them, they have to go to the next best place. And let's talk real turkey. Asians are, and Africans are supplying technologically trained individuals. And so, yes, they're going to import them and immigrate them to the U.S. because they need the skill set. Now, what that says to me, that's a grand opportunity for black folks. The problem is, is getting black folks to take the time to say, guess what? Life has changed. If nothing else we learned during the pandemic, life is different. The whole world went virtual in the blink of an eye. Which says to me, if the whole world went virtual in a blink of an eye, that's where you need to be, where the world went. And it went all the way to technology. But even still, we have people who are so resistant to automation and resistant to training and resistant to the change. And my belief is, is that if you don't make the change, the change is going to happen to you. And I'll give you an example of that. In 2017, McKinsey and Company basically said that 60% of African-American jobs are going to disappear by 2030. However, with the pandemic, that timetable accelerated to 2025. Mm -hmm. That's only four mm -hmm. years from now, right around the corner. But I'm also going to say that while that's a prediction by 2025, it actually happened in 2021. Because we have a lot of people who are sitting on unemployment who are never going to be called back to their jobs. Because frankly, no offense to you, the folks out there, I don't need you when I got a computer. So unless you are tied That's to real. a computer, I don't need you. So your job is never going to call you back. Period. And that's scary to, you know, just even when you put it in that perspective, but it doesn't have to be scary if we look at this as an opportunity. Uh, I remember going to school um, with some, some friends from India, if you will, and just, you know, kind of learning about their culture. And there was a lot of pressure on one of my good friends from uh, that, I'm, that I'm referring to. There's a lot of pressure on, you know, doing extremely well in, in school, and come to find out there was a lot riding on it, riding on it because to a degree in his family, he was in a sense expected to make it because if he does well and gets one of these in a sense high income positions in the tech field, then it would be an opportunity to help lift the rest of his family out of poverty, if you will. And so I came to understand that that was happening on a, on a common basis but, uh, you know, whether it be, like you said, Asians, dom Asian and Africans dominate as well as Indians dominate those H-1B-1 visas, um, H-1B visas, I'm sorry, those H-1B visas, which, you know, is basically America saying we're looking for your knowledge. We don't have enough here. Please come to this country and, and fill these jobs. So, as you said, instead of being afraid of it, we could take advantage of it and similar to what in a sense, those cultures do get those high income and lift their family up. There's no reason we couldn't do that, too. Any thoughts on that, Kay? Uh, again, somebody that's gotten into this field and trying to take advantage of, again, that high income, whether it's doing it yourself or working for someone, either way, um, you know, just your thoughts on, on that concept. I think it's Kay, a, did I lose you? Um, 
Okay, I'm sorry. Go I ahead. think it's an absolutely fantastic idea to go into cybersecurity, especially along the lines of what Ms. Ida was saying. Uh, many people who are on unemployment right now don't have a, will not have a job to go back to. And it's a great opportunity to take advantage of the world being online right now. There are um, academies online, for instance, Automation Works is all online. And really there is very little excuse to break into a new career in cyber right now. And, uh, and especially since there is traction right now in this country for uh, funding for infrastructure and cybersecurity falls into infrastructure. And it it really is a great idea to future-proof your career. And cybersecurity in this country is going to – those jobs are going to be around for generations to come. So um, I would say break into it now and um, may the force be with you. Yeah, I love that term future proof your position and and let's keep this in mind too the specifically um cybersecurity cuz we've done shows where I've brought on other uh you know African American owned business businesses that are trying to in a sense get people into this field and you don't necessarily always have to be as technical as people think to a degree and we'll I'm going to go to a break and we're going to get into this but again we definitely want to break out just even the cultural perspective kind of some of the stuff that I Ms. Ida alluded to from the standpoint of, uh, in a sense, fears of breaking in or not taking advantage, like you said, people sitting at home and basically not reskilling and retooling, and we can't, in a sense, sit idly. The bigger thing, in my my, my opinion, is getting the next generation on board because that 3.5% is not okay. It's not okay from the standpoint of, you know, where we were at just five years ago, but again, for what's coming and the timeline being sped up in reference to uh, these jobs not returning, like she said, and I agree, um, with people sitting, you know, sitting at home right now and 40% um, of African-American businesses closed, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And here's an opportunity to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. Why guys? Have you said your I'm not a role model commercial is the greatest thing you've because ever done in your life? Because it started to debate. Because uh, if you go back and look when it happened, it, it comes up all the time, too, when the term role model comes up. It started a national debate. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. Let me tell you something. When I went to Nike with this commercial, they was like, this is going to be huge. I said, that's why I want to do the commercial. 95%. Ninety-five percent of the letters Nike got, the Seventy Sixers got, loved the commercial. Yeah. How, how did the reaction and response you got compared to what you were expecting? I actually thought it would be like eighty-twenty, to be honest with you. A- eighty, eighty positive. positive. Okay. Yes. Because I knew the parents. The parents. Because first of all, I, 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 it became a joke. I said, I'm the only guy in the world who ever got bad hate mail for telling kids to listen to their parents. In the beginning, I said. Just because I could dunk a basketball and throw a basketball, I shouldn't raise your kids. Uh, but at the end, I said, parents are role models. Because, you know, I do this little science experiment, uh, Graham, when I speak at schools. Like, let's say I'm at a white school. I said, how many of your kids want to play pro sports? Less than 10% raised their hand. I said, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. 
But when I go speak at predominantly black schools, 90% of the kids want to play sports. 90%. There's a couple like, I want to be a doctor, which makes me really proud. But 90% of kids, when I speak at black schools, our kids are brainwashed to think they can only play sports and be entertainers. If you got a better chance of being a doctor and a lawyer than playing in the NBA. I tell you, that's best 400 players in the NBA. What are the chances you're going to be one of the 400 best players in the world? That's, it, it, like I say, and I'm not trying to bash their dreams. I wish everybody could do it. But you have to so also be realistic. You're not going to play in the NBA. Who are we kidding? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL? Special guest, Kay Wolf, as well as Otter Bird Hill, both of them in the cybersecurity and information technology field. As we hear, uh, may recall this famous I am not a role model commercials. We hear Charles Barkley breaking down his thoughts behind doing the commercial years ago and speaking to um, something that I saw myself um, having uh, recruited for college for a year for the Air Force. Uh, I definitely would run into uh, high schools trying to recruit something I love to do on the side to a degree when I would travel to different places in the southeast. We would go to the middle schools as well just in a sense to encourage the kids. And I saw a similar result. That, that, that Charles was talking about in reference to how many of our children, you know, in a sense wanted to be entertainment, entertainers and athletes. We've even done a show here. Uh, you know, are there too many of our children that are wanting to be entertainers and athletes? And so culturally, we know to a degree, and we just witnessed what the uh, NBA draft or, or our NFL draft, I think, recently, and we get it. There's an idea of, hey, I've made it. But I remember posting this, I will start with you, I remember putting up a post probably about six months ago that says, in the long run, engineers, scientists, information technology, um, people in those positions, in the long run, quite often, believe it or not, a lot of them end up with more money than some of these athletes. And people were going crazy on the post, not understanding that once you get away from those top-tier athletes that we all know, the majority of the athletes, while making a great sum of money, you know, at initially or within a year's time, since most are, in a sense, attritioning out within three years, three years of, you know, 400000 or 500000 to a degree, and maybe not managing the money at your best, does not play out like someone who gets to keep a career for 30 years that the demand keeps going up and therefore the income keeps going up. So again, I know I said a lot there, but just wanted to get your thoughts specifically to our community, our perspective and how we see the NBA and NFL and how I am suggesting. And I think you already agree with this, that this career field could be the equivalent. It could lift our people up and out of some of their situations. If we only saw it that way, your thoughts, Queen. I'm sorry, Ms. Adam. Let me bring you back live. Hold on one second, Queen. All right, go ahead, July. I don't have a different perspective because for 10 years I managed money. I grew my wealth management firm from zero to $353 million in assets under management and actually had a few sports stars as clients. And let me tell you what I learned. First of all, it takes incredible discipline to make it to any of the sports leagues. 
And if you have that much discipline, then you need to do both. You can't just be a sports tar because you got to have a backup plan, plan B. Because even if you're a great star, your career is only going to last 10 years. Right. If you're a mediocre star, it's going to last three years. So you only got a 10-year window to make your money. Number two, most sports stars are doing something on their off-season because they understand they have a short window. So most of them have plan B. What's your second career? Because you got to have one. Because if you don't, you will be poor when you leave the NBA, the NFL, or any other sports. Number two, I just believe you can do both. Why can't you have two careers? If you really want to go into the sports arena, understand it's a business. So you need to have skills to manage your business. And so beyond just your physical skills, what are your mental skills that's going to carry you for the rest of your life? Now, what I have seen, the, the stars who have done the best, always had plan B. We have a couple of sports stars who are medical doctors. They'd be going in to college, they were going to have plan B. You got some sports stars that do going into college, they were going to be an entrepreneur, so they did things a lot differently when they were in college to prepare for their ascent into the NBA and NFL. But we don't see that behind the scenes work because all we focus on is that they made it to the NBA. And so my thing is those same discipline skills are necessary to make it in any career. And so I, I reach out to parents and students, but mainly the parents. you got to have your child got to have plan A and plan B and plan C. And technology should be at least your plan B because it's not going anywhere. Now, why do I say that? First of all, all of the sports are highly technical. When you walk into a, sta- a stadium, it is a technological wonder. Why? Because it makes for a wonderful customer experience in the stadium. You can go to the, the games and see all the mobile stuff that's happening. You can go to the, the, the crowd and see people kissing each other and the videos that are made from that. So a stadium is a technological wonder. Somebody had to program that stadium. But let me tell you what happens in reality. We look at the 400 players and don't look at all the things that happen behind the scenes to support those players. And I give a good example of how I got into this business. We built the Little Caesars Arena here in Detroit, the largest Cisco installation in 20 years in the state of Michigan, and didn't have one black, not one, on that facility, not one. Mm-hmm. Didn't have one Detroiter building the infrastructure for that technological wonder, which is how I got into this, because I got so angry that we're building this stadium, and we're so worried about the players running up and down that court that we missed out on billions of dollars that it took to build that stadium. Multiply that by multiple stadiums across the country, and that is a show enough to limit a show hey, enough to remember. Okay, you oh, I'm sorry, Queen. No, go ahead. I'm sorry that you were done. I'm sorry. Should never ever. Oh, absolutely, Queen. Nah, and K, your thoughts. Um, as again, as we just kind of break down, you know, I I, I found it unfortunate 
like she said, this one this this arena gets built and it's this great opportunity and there's no one that looks like us able to take advantage of it. Your your thoughts uh, in reference to you know again just hearing culturally this amazing opportunity that hey we're not to a degree not focused on and the numbers show show that. So I think that um, on the on the in the vein of what Miss Ida was saying about cybersecurity being an opportunity to lift people up out of poverty. And if we focus on the technology and the uh, opportunities in tech that are happening around us, we'll discover that not only is there an option for having a first and a second and third career, um, there's an option to, or there's an opportunity to eventually start your own firm. You see, there's a ladder in cybersecurity and it allows you to start out as a worker um, doing networking jobs, and then you can eventually increase your education um, with certifications and experience, and you can move from starting out in a support role to moving into a managerial role and a leadership role, a consultancy role, and eventually if you want to start your own firm providing technical um, networking services, you can do that, and then that's when you're in looking in the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, multimillion-dollar contracts providing um, network networking support or cybersecurity services. So there's a huge trajectory that could be a multi-generational opportunity. So you train, you you get yourself trained, and as you progress in your career and your kids grow up, you can teach them. They'll also be watching you, and you know by time your children in high school, you might have your own little, you know, network services or cybersecurity team of people, and um, it would definitely be an opportunity for building uh, generational wealth. No, I love it because, again, you think about it, we're constantly, at least in these circles that I'm in and the people that, you know, men of dialogue listeners, we're constantly talking about it. Um, and, again, um, it's just a, a path that I think the numbers, again, show that we should go into it. But I love how you laid out, hey, spend some years getting technical, understanding it, and you're not just simply talking about in the way you laid it out, and I love this, is you're not just simply talking about, you know, a job, if you will. I mean, Miss Ida herself said, hey, she comes from a whole totally different background, a finance background, and moved into this and now has her own business in this arena as well. So great opportunity. Uh, for the listeners out there, if you want to get in on the conversation, please press 1. We'll get you in on the conversation. I had a couple callers of the day. Uh, they had to go, so I missed them. But for anybody out there listening, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. If you were just on the line and still listening, please come back on. We'll get you get you in. I just wanted to get a little deep into the conversation before I open up the phone lines, but we are opening them up now. Again, remember, if it's your first time calling, you will need to press 1 to get in on this morning's discussion. Should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL? Because here's a reality. I remember having on another queen years ago on the show um, 
Bradley, she has a great book called Reading at One. Highly recommend you to have any top toddlers are about to have a baby, get that book and speed up your child's reading comprehension and skills, if you will. Uh, but I remember having her on years ago, and um, she has like a daycare and school for, for children or whatever. And I remember her sharing with me that she had gotten a, a, a basketball scholarship um, to go to an HBCU. And then after we were having a dialogue, in a sense, about getting into STEM, as you recommended earlier, Ms. Ida, and in that conversation, because I've been saying this for years, this should be our new NBA, this should be our new NFL, right? And so when I was saying that to her, she thought about her own life and said, you know what, my dad used to work with me in basketball when I was a kid, and due to that, I was able to get a little scholarship money to go, I guess, to the HBCU that she went through, went to. But And she was hearing me talk about the concept of making tech and STEM our new NBA and new NFL. She actually said, and partly due her, to her being an educator, as I just mentioned, she actually said, wow, what if my dad had a, took that 30 minutes or that hour and went ahead and started me into some STEM things? I wonder what I would have been. I mean, that's just literally what she said as an educator, that perspective of saying, come on, new NBA, this should become our NFL, made her think about that, if you will. We are up against the break, so we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most is more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, and everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk. They see us always, because I look like money, smell like money. You point out that over 50% of the PhDs awarded to black is in education, and you don't seem to think much of a PhD in education. It's not a question of what I think, it's a question of what the marketplace thinks. And there's not much money in that. So if you're going to compare blacks and whites who have PhDs, you have to realize you're talking about apples and oranges. If you're going to compare uh, uh, you know, blacks and uh, Asians with PhDs, you're really talking about apples and oranges. Since the Asian PhDs will be disproportionately in math, science, technology, and fields like that. So that uh, I think that's a rational choice to some extent. 
insofar as people have not had the same educational background, they must do what they can do, not what they would like to do. What's encouraging to me is that second-generation blacks in college, that is, blacks whose parents went to college before them, are majoring in mathematical and other such areas to almost exactly the same extent as the general society. So again, as you break these numbers down, there is a sign of progress, but there's very little sign of any kind of miracle taking place. What do you mean, miracle? That is, there are people who will talk in terms of what the proportion of blacks are who earn so much or are represented in various occupations. Uh, you're not going to be an engineer unless you've got an engineering degree. Uh, and if blacks' degrees are in education, then we don't expect to find blacks represented in engineering in proportion to blacks in the society. So that's an example in which our cultural choice determines our income. Our income is, is partly due to the income gap between blacks and whites. Is that part of it? Yes, yes. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL? We actually have a caller that wants to get in. We'll go to the caller. Area code 314, last 3600. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Well, it's Pianchi. How you doing, Montoya? You hey, know, how you uh, doing, brother Pianchi? This is a, a topic that I've been talking on working uh, around the education of African-American kids since the 70s, studying, that is. And uh, it is very, very sad, the data that comes out, that nobody seems to pay any attention. Now, you mentioned about the NBA and the NFL. The NBA need to be paying reparations because when you look at the number of young black boys that was expended, I use the word expended, to create just one LeBron James, just one Kobe. You're talking about thousands of kids because they had to provide him with competition in order to hone his skills. Think about it. We have our children in gyms. And you drive around town and watch the number of kids that's out there playing football during the school year, at 8 o'clock at night. Those kids, the majority of them, the vast majority, will be pushed to the side. They never will make the big time. I often say that you have your young man in the basketball gym shooting a hundred free throws every night, but they never at home doing a hundred math problems every night practice. And it shows. The gentleman that I talked about earlier, maybe you planned a, a recording, he's absolutely right. This is something that needs to be started at preschool in elementary school in order to prepare your child for a higher education in any of these areas. A child should be exposed to chemistry, physics, mechanics, electronics, biology, magnetism, solar, astronomy, when they're young in order to spur their innovative minds. And that's not going on. Hey, you, you know, by the time I got to 
Uh, and, and I'm not bragging about me. I'm talking about the error of the things that we've done in my generation as kids. Hey, by the time I was about nine years old, I had took apart three radios and four TV sets and threatened that if I didn't get them back together before my grandfather came home, I was in deep trouble. <laughs> I mean, think about that. So, and then there's there's a lot of opportunities in these areas. I mean, look at the companies that when when we now we do produce some. I say we. I'm talking about black society do produce some, but they produce nowhere near enough of people who can perform in these areas. Hey, you talk about the NBA, for instance, and them stadiums. Look at all the behind-the-scenes opportunities that go on that make it possible for the performance on the field and on the court. Sports medicine, radio, TV, audio, visual, ambulance, coaching, concessions, marketing, finance, all that goes on behind just in those areas that make it possible for what you come to pay a ticket to watch to see. When you look at whose face is up, you hardly see any blacks at all. And then Middle also, Trump, you when forgot you got the most important famous... person in the stadium. <laughs> yeah. You hear me, Brother Pjocki? You forgot the most important person in the stadium, the beer man. That's what I do at the stadium. <laughs> But you know, here's another point too. And and you know, and you see you have to some people don't like to talk about this because they get ridiculed or and whites are not gonna talk about it. Those are not gonna talk about their benefit. I always say Nigerian is not gonna tell you tell your children what they need to know to out compete theirs. But when you look at the graduation at the academic data that these that black kids are carrying when they go to these schools. You got some high schools, you know, some in in St. Louis you got some of your famous high schools like Rashawn where Maxine Water went to or Sumner where Tina Turner went to. You looking at a math proficiency in some of these schools that's below ten percent. Reading proficiency, eleven to nineteen percent, graduation rate seventy five percent. That's totally, totally really alarming when you look at this. And this is not no exception. It's almost it's almost expected. But it has to change. So you know well, I, pre- I could no, go on for a long time. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, you're one of my number one callers, so I always give you a little more time. And you said a lot, so I'm very interested in what our guests it's um, a lot to have say. to say about some it's, of what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's a lot to say. You know, I wish you uh, would absolutely. have on your I'm show sure. one of these organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers and tell what – they've been around since 1972. Yeah, I've been reaching out to them. We're going to figure it out one day. And, and, and let people know what's going on and let them know that there's – no. Nowhere near enough. And and it closed with this. I was reading an article on artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is going to remove 40 to 50 percent of the jobs, uh, 60 percent of the jobs here by 2025, they say. It was talking about a Chinese school, a college. And it said that the dorm lights go in the dorms 
go off at 11 o'clock. The kids, the students, come outside and sit on the curb, and they're continuing to study by streetlights. And the books that they use is not always up to date. They use whatever they can get. So look at that nation of people now. Anyway, I I regress. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brother Piaki, for your thoughts this morning. Definitely appreciate your three cents. Again, you said a lot. Hey, actually, I'm going to start with you. Anything that you would like to address, whether it's Brother Piaki or even from the cut, um, just to share, that was a cut from Thomas Sowell talking about, in a sense, the type of degrees that different cultures are selecting or whatever. And to, in my opinion, the discussion we're having today is about considering having that cultural shift and having parents encourage their kid to, kind of like Brother Pianchi said, get exposed to all of these things. And so kids have, in a sense, a more opportunity to figure out actually what they might like and what field could make sense. Obviously, every kid is not going to go into this area, but the issue is we don't have enough of our children going in these areas, in a sense, chasing hoop dreams, which is much harder, believe it or not, things that we're suggesting. But your thoughts, Queen, go ahead. Absolutely think that cultural choice has a lot to do with it and exposure to um, these other higher level uh, topics scholarly topics such as what were mentioned, chemistry, math, uh, science, computer programming, medicine, magnetism, um, electrical engineering, networking, and to touch on what was said about uh, the, the illustration that was given, to touch on the illustration that was given about the children sitting studying outside by street lamp using whatever they can to learn. This day and age, we have, we're almost at a point of uh, singularity where technology and human has merged into one and it's inseparable. And we have access to all the knowledge in the world through the internet. And a lot of children, I know from what I've observed, children as young as age five, even younger, have a tablet or cell phone in their hands, and they're engaged. And it's up to the parents to make a an effort, a, a, a conscious effort to expose their children, to take this opportunity, use these tools that we have to expose their children to higher learning material. And uh, there's so much knowledge that can be accessed in the palm of these children's hands already. And I believe that it's a matter of a mental paradigm shift in the community to let these parents, let parents know uh, that these opportunities exist and let them know that there is so much potential and opportunity for their children's futures if they just shift their perspective into and uh, shift the perspective that they have about the content that they are uh, delivering to their children's devices. So there are... Uh, ways for uh, there's there are a lot of resources and there's ways for the children to 
learn complex math, science, astrophysics, um, computing, even from YouTube. YouTube Kids has a lot of educational videos for children that are higher learning. And it's just a matter of parents recognizing it, realizing it's there, wanting that better future for their children, and using the tools that they already have in their hands to access that breadth of knowledge. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. Great idea. We are at the top of the hour, so we're going to go um, to another break. If you're out there online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Please call in and give us your three cents. Um, Again, you have to press one to let us know. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Next cut is Taylor Pace from our sponsor, Square Business Entertainment party. Hopefully everybody's ready to get outside, so I thought I would give us a little upbeat song uh, for our music um, selection this morning. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. or some criminal element was behind the attack. The company saying they temporarily suspended their operations in order to contain the threat. The White House now saying they are working with the company to assess the threat and restore operations. If the shutdown continues for several days, though, it could raise fears of soaring gas prices ahead of a busy summer driving season. Jose? Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's top stories and breaking news. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, should information technology and cybersecurity become, and as we hear another cut, highlighting the unfortunate oil shortage due to a ransomware attack, which um, my special guest, um, Ida Bird, he explained to us uh, what a ransomware attack and how and unfortunately that cybercrime has increased to the point that we're encouraging um, our parents out there to, in a sense, take the lead and culturally shift how we see information technology and cybersecurity because it is an opportunity, as we've mentioned, uh, to build generational wealth. And so, uh, Ms. Adam, if you will, um, your thoughts to you know, some of what we've been talking about and, again, this concept of this opportunity. And then after that, I want to get into, uh, in a sense, Kay's expertise and what she's going to be offering where people can learn how to protect their own stuff because, again, these crimes are increasing, but, again, a great opportunity for our community. Go ahead, Queen. Well, what I'm going to say is that whenever something doesn't go well in the black community, we always want to see somebody else rather than take responsibility for our actions. First of all, every school system in America has graduation requirements that have lots of math and science involved in them. The problem is, is that when they send home homework, their mamas and daddies ain't making them do the homework. Which means they have no interest in the subject because now it's so hard because like anything, you got to practice to be good at. Now, I'm, I'm probably an old school mom because my kids are grown, and my son has a bachelor's in IT making 135000 a year. But he didn't get there by his own volition. He got there because I set that path from the day he was born. So in my house, I have a different stand. I oversee homework every day. My kids come to know that if your homework is not sitting in the middle of my kitchen table for me to re- review it at the end of the day, we have some severe problems that's going to be happening in my household because I don't play. <laughs> so when you walk in the door, my children had a routine. You come in, you get your snack, you get to your homework. If you tell me you don't have any homework, then I got plenty of places to make you homework because mommy's homework is going to be worse than the school's homework. So if you were smart, when you came into my house, you had homework from your teacher. Actually, you asked them, can I have some homework because I don't want to do my mother's homework. If more mamas and daddies did that in the black community, then all of our kids will be technically competent because whether they go into the technology career or not, Every career in the world is technology-based, which means they need to know technology. So whether they become a cybersecurity person or whether they become a technology person or whether they become a marketing person, whether they become a finance person, whether they become a paramedic, all of those careers are surrounded and its foundation is technology. The problem is, is that we're not doing our job as mommies and daddies to make sure that we set the path for our children. So my thing is that really parents have to take the brunt of the issue. It ain't the NBA or the NFL or what have you, because I believe that children should do both. My children did sports, but they also did their homework. They did sports, but they also went to the science center every month. They did sports, 
They also had science kids they had to do work with because that's my job as a parent to set the path for my children. Now, I do have to chuckle. In the fourth grade, my son, for career day, told his teachers that he wanted to be the black Bill Gates. They thought it was fun. Actually had a running joke around the school. But my job as a parent is to make sure that the teachers do their job. But I politely went up to the school and said, while you think it's funny, it ain't funny, because that's what he's going to become, the black Bill Gates. And my job is to make sure you deliver him to that, that goal. So I will be on my job every day to make sure you are on your job that he gets what he needs. So if your kids are not doing well in math, as a parent, that's your job to go up to the school and find out why not. If you're not good in math, it's your job as a parent to go make yourself better so you can lead your children so they are better. So we need to take some responsibilities in our own community of why our kids are not going where they need to be because we have taken our hands off the directional guide for them and we need to go back to being what mommies and daddies used to be. We lead our families to where we want them to go. So I, that's now, my respect the, I'm sorry, Queen. Secondly, I'm I want to um, say there is nothing wrong with wanting to have a big dream to be a sports star. I'm all for it. I, I raised my child to be a sailor, and I was hoping that she was going to be like Larry Ellison at Oracle commanding a sailboat for money. But she decided nice. she got in the way of her hair and didn't want to do that. And I said, you can drop out of that if you want, but you're not going to drop out of math. You're not going to drop out of science. You're not going to drop out of technology because that is where your career is going to go in marketing. And so she wanted to be in a marketing, and I convinced her that she needed all of those field activities if you want to be successful in marketing. So parents need to step up to the plate and do their job. Your job is to make sure your kid is a productive adult, and you cannot be productive in America without technology. Period. Uh, you said a lot there. Um, Kay, sound like you wanted, you know, wanted to jump in as well. So please do. Um, if I could, in a sense, highlight and, and again, uh, absolutely respect that perspective. Uh, let's even throw out some tools, if you will. And again, I think that's somewhere where you can kind of help people in a sense. So, so like you said, everything's in the palm of our hand. Um, as an after-school instructor, uh, I'm not a big believer in the kids having, in a sense, access to screens and phones too soon. However, when they are given it, or if you're going to do that anyway, I'm a, I am always recommend to the parents and to my family, make sure you're using it to their full advantage and not that they're just entertaining themselves to be quiet, but you're actually using it so that they're actually learning something and kids enjoy it via that screen. So you can actually use it as a tool. So if you queen, if you will queen, you know, kind of speak to that and maybe give some direction to a pair who, who knows that everything's at the head in the palm of their hand, but don't necessarily know where to look or start if you can, if you will. That's a, uh, sure, it's a great point. And I was just uh, chiming on what Ms. Ida was saying about, uh, you know, one, the, her vision that she had for her daughter as a, to become a sailor, cheering that on. So when it comes to incorporating uh, lessons in technology and STEM into your child's daily life, it can 
start out small and uh, setting an intentional path for your children when it comes to STEM careers. It can be as easy as uh, Googling some programs or offerings for your kids, for elementary to high school age students. You can Google some offerings from local universities or colleges, especially tech-related institutions. And oftentimes they have community outreach programs, and they will take the children for a weekend or an afternoon and teach them about uh, bioengineering, teach them about computer programming, uh, robotics, AI, uh, which is artificial intelligence, VR, virtual reality, AR, augmented reality. They bring these tools to, they present these tools to the children's level. Also, your local library should have uh, funded federally funded programs for STEM education, specifically for children. And I would recommend that you Google your local library's resources, start there, and Google the, take a look at your surrounding area, universities and colleges near you, and if you uh, just reach out can, to can you them directly, I'm sure that they will have a way to direct you to programs that they have for the kids. I was, I was messing with a little bit, a little bit, Kay, but you're telling me that people still go to libraries in the, in the technology age? <laughs> Pardon me, I couldn't make out what you said there. Oh, okay, I was saying people still go to libraries in the technology age? I was just being a little facetious. Yeah, they do, because now the library is on, on your phone. So so my thing is, is that you don't even have to leave your house anymore. All of that is at the tip of your of your finger. The internet has allowed open access to information all over the world. You don't even have to leave your sofa. The problem is that a lot of times people use the use their phones for a lot of foolishness and not for the betterment of of of, of their life. Yeah, go ahead, Kay. We got about a minute before break. Go ahead and get your last thought in, and we're going to go to another break. Go ahead, Queen. Absolutely. Uh, what Ms. Ida is saying, a lot of that information is at, the, you know, at your fingertips. And if you check with your local public library system, um, you know, a lot of times they have 3D printers, VR goggles, uh, virtual reality headsets, augmented reality headsets that go unused because the population isn't aware of the STEM offerings. And there are workshops that are held usually over the summer where the kids can go hand on and get a hands-on opportunity to learn computer programming and um, actually, you know, program little robots. No, I love it. I mean, we're actually up against the break, but um, that's great, great resources. So yeah, if you're out there listening, you know, I was like, I was a little facetious about people not going to libraries, but there's sure reason to go to the, to the library because, as she said. If they have these things at the library, like literally there's a library being built just a few miles away from, 
you know, where I'm from. And I remember saying to a friend, I remember, well, one of my friends years ago was like, people still use libraries? I literally just said that to me a couple of years ago, and they're building one. And you can imagine, like, as Ida said, anything that's being built today is going to be technologically advanced. And, hey, there's an opportunity to go use these these equipment. And so we all forget the break. We'll come back. Brother Pianchi's trying to get back in. Uh, for area code 682, if you're trying to get in on this discussion, you do need to press 1. All right, we will get you both our callers coming out of the break. Listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be elite. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. People have discriminated against other people wherever they've had the power to do it, almost everywhere in the world and almost every period of history. Some groups are kept back by this, and some groups, it seems to make no difference whatever. Insofar, for example, as you have entrepreneurial skills, the fact that people didn't hire Jews in the 19th century didn't stop Jews from hiring each other and setting up and dominating industries such as the garment industry or the uh, beginning of the great Hollywood movie studios and other areas of the economy. Uh, it is the skills that are crucial and, not the, and not, not the fact that other people are willing or unwilling to hire you. Even groups that, that have a great animosity towards other groups will nevertheless hire members of those groups with skills in the long run if there are enough of them to make it worth their while. What's the lesson in that statement for black Americans? Skills are what matters. Uh, if other people will not uh, acknowledge your skills in the short run, then those same skills are useful in the black community with other blacks. Um, it's what has made other groups advance from poverty to affluence. I know of nothing else that's really done it. Skills and, of course, the, the, the work and the savings. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL special guest? Otterberg, as well as Kay Wolf. Thank you, Queens, both for being with me. we got a couple of callers trying to get in on this morning's discussion, so we're going to go to area code 682-3177. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Peace and power. This is Baba Amin Ojiwoka of the Uhuru Academy. How you doing this morning, brother? Hey, thanks a lot for getting in with us, King. Good to hear from you, uh, Baba Amin. Thanks a lot, King. What you got for us? Hey, hey, great forum, great topic this morning. I want to uh, give a special shout-out to uh, the sister that you have on the panel this morning. Uh, great work. Keep up the great work. Um, um, at the Uhura Academy, you know, because we're a private African center school, uh, we take uh, holding and, and learning technology very serious. You know, uh, at the campus here in South Carolina, not only are we doing agricultural science, but we're doing computer science. Our children had opportunity to build their own computer lab this year. Uh, they've learned the basics of coding this year. They're using the uh, Raspberry Pi. They even built the Moodle Box server uh, this year at the school. So we have our third graders through our eighth graders all touching technology. 
in our online program. We have students that are using uh, code.org. We have students now that are even learning uh, some more of the advanced coding languages. You know, and I found an effective approach, especially with these students that love the game, you know, uh, teaching them, exposing them to the technology behind gaming, you know, the, the, the coding that goes along with it. We have students that are into 3D modeling, and we've even partnered with some uh, cyber, black cybersecurity specialists who are willing to sponsor students that are serious about coding and going on and getting certification. And so I'm excited about this conversation this morning because I do believe that we should definitely uh, uh, get engaged, get our children engaged in the cybersecurity industry, in the IT industry, and treat it with more fervor than we do with sports, you know, because it's more in demand, it's a global ticket, and our children are up for it and they want it. We just have to put it in front of them and make it acceptable and show them the great things that can come of it uh, when they do it. So uh, that's that's what I want to add on, and, and I'm, I'm just proud of what the, the sister's doing. I'm proud of all cybersecurity and black IT specialists that see the need to bring that skill into our community. That's all I have. Nah, thank you so much. You know, I'm a proud supporter of Uhuru Academy and um, love what you're doing. We know that it's needed. Um, if you will, um, again, while we got you, just never know. I just love making on-air connections as well. So, obviously, he has um, Uhuru Academy, an online academy where they basically literally educate our children. Um, you can, you know, give them the grades if you want, if you will, just to give a little more insight. Because while I got you, I want people to know that you do exist. <laughs> and we're moving into the summer. So right. I know every summer you have a bunch of programs. Yes. Or, you know, again, yes. if you're not looking to do an online school, here's an opportunity. So I'm, I'm pretty sure you're doing something this summer as well. And and, and while we have right. you, Miss Ida, if you don't mind, I would like for to get y'all connected because you just never know where those opportunities um, exist. But if you will, Bob, I mean, tell them about, um, the summer sure. stuff as well and how they can follow you and then, again, hopefully get you okay. and this Ida connected just in case there's an opportunity to, to do something there. Okay. Well, you know, we've been virtual since we've had our virtual program since 2017. So so we're very experienced in delivering impactful virtual education experience to our children. Uh, we have uh, summer summer programs, online summer programs every summer. Uh, we do three sessions. We do a two-week camp in June, a two-week virtual camp virtual camp in August where we expose our children to African history. We, we do academic enrichment. We also expose them to coding, uh, uh, entrepreneurship, uh, uh, financial literacy, the whole nine yards. And we expose them to black people in different uh, areas of, of life to kind of show them, you know, this is what I do and this is how I got here. It's fun. It's interactive. Uh, so if you want to get involved, you simply go to uhuruacademy.com, U-H-U-R-U, academy.com. All the information is there. You can email me at Baba Amin at UhuruAcademy.com or info at UhuruAcademy.com. You know, that's a little easier to spell, right? So you can get at me like that, 682 as well. You know, that's the direct line. But uh, uh, we're excited about that. Uh, this year in our online program, our full-time virtual education program, which goes from third grade to 12th grade, we work with over 60 students in 13 different states, four different time zones, and uh, man, we, you talk about a great – there is no virtual experience like this for black children on the planet, and I'm not bragging. It's just the truth, right? And so we welcome all the questions asked. 
and uh, a visit. Uh, just give me a call, contact, and I would love to hook up with the sister and see what we can do because I have some, you know, I have some teenagers that are very serious about going into cybersecurity right now. Ms. Ida, any thoughts on anything? You know, again, I love making on-air connections. I obviously support this brother. I'm glad he called in on this particular topic. You could probably hear why he chose this one. But if you will, any thoughts? Of, again, maybe just information shared or just, you know, get y'all connected. Well, I'm excited because, you know, third through 12th grade is where the love for science begins. And I believe that most kids have a love for science, technology, engineering, and math. They come here holding a parent's cell phone. The thing is, is that we don't we don't force them to get serious and be disciplined about it because we're not really seeing the money in it for our kids. And my thing is, there's lots of money in it. People are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I'm just so excited to see that you know you have a school that's African centered that has, has embraced the science, technology, engineering, math area, and particularly virtually. Because the real truth of the matter, we don't talk about it out loud, but black people as Africans created mathematics. I say, yes, ma'am. We talk about mathematics like it's a European dilemma, but mathematics started in African society and moved to Europe. Mm -hmm. So my thing is if we started something, then we should be the dominant force in it. We We should carry it forward and be able to move right. it across the world. But for some, we have gotten people to, for us to believe that math is an Asian or European issue yeah, when it's created is. by black folks. And, and I, if I can just so interject, I, I, I'm that fact really helps, too. And Because and we teach on the African origins of mathematics, the African contributions to math and science. And when I tell you, just knowing that increases their confidence and gives them more ownership in their approach to math and science, it really works, and we have documented proof. It shouldn't be a, 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 it shouldn't be a, a black child that doesn't know that their people made just as much a contribution to math and science as everybody else. That should be a foundational teaching when teaching our children STEM. And on that point, it really is an important factor in um, shifting the paradigm and shifting the narrative around STEM in the black community. I think that's a very important point you make there, sir, that uh, planting that seed so the children know early, early on that it is in their DNA to excel at mathematics. Super important. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. At the end of the day, um, when it comes to public education, it's hard to be interested if they never see themselves. And so obviously at the Uru Academy, they're going to see themselves all the way down to finding out we originated. You know, we started this shit. Excuse the language, but that's real. So with that said, um, you know, I'm glad you called in, Baba B, because uh, it's very necessary. And if it's okay, I'll definitely... Um, try to get you and this out of connected because, you know, there may be opportunities for, you know, your kid to graduate and go straight into automation work and boom, they right there on it. Like it's not that it's not that hey, hard. Y'all already I would, doing the I would, work. I would love to go ahead and get back to it. <laughs> yeah, I would love to be an oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So so let's make this happen. Let's build this pipeline. Brother, pass all my contacts. 
I will definitely get it directly to her, and we'll make it happen. Yeah, I love it. On the air connections, we're known for that. Yeah, we just get, we just make it happen, y'all. So thank y'all, thank you so much for calling in, Bob. We got some other callers. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to the next caller. Area code six four seven, last three zero five zero. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on the discussion. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? This is Patrick. And I love this discussion. Hey, what's up, Patrick out of Toronto? Appreciate you, King. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I relate to it because when I was younger, I, I, I developed my love for like um, um, computers first through the Atari game. I'm dating myself, but through Atari game set, I, that's where I learned. I started becoming very interested. <laughs> And and it's through those Atari game sets and breaking those down, then that that just translated into okay, I was going to comp sci and stuff, and you know, in the university. And then from there, I just took my career out from there, you know, software development stuff. So I think nice. that's a general. One of the things you said is that it has to relate to them. Um, I think science and technology has to be relatable. You know, we talk about how we started math, but somehow our relationship to math was was severed. Our relationship to, you know, technology somewhere along the line has been severed to a certain degree. And you have to make it relatable to their lives. So I think it's great what's being done. I just think that, you know, let's just say technology in general. I think cybersecurity is all important. I think IT works. Can make a lot of money, but we should just open it up because things are changing. And if they can get in on the forefront of what's happening, what's what's, what's coming on the, over the horizon, they could really, really set themselves up well. As an example, if you're in a bank and you're in an IT situation in a bank, banking is about to change quite drastically. So really, it's the people that are working on how to secure, store, send, and receive digital assets that are the forefront of banking the way it's going to be in the future. So I think if we just open things up for them, and they can pick and choose and gravitate to the section that they, you know, that they're interested in, then I think, you know, that would be a great thing. And it's a great conversation. Nah, thank you. I think yeah, you make a you make an excellent point. And to a degree, I think that's ultimately what we're saying. I think we're just talking about even transitioning transitioning more of our people culturally to think of it this way, right? Because, you know, it's no accident why eighty percent of the NBA is, you know, us and sixty five percent of the NFL is us. And when I go to those college, you know, those when I went to those middle schools, I understood why they were raising their hand because that's where they see us succeed. And so I think you're absolutely right. As we get into more opportunities or like what the Hulu Academy is doing, bringing in specialists in these different areas, they can get in the forefront. So definitely encouraging that. It's just making that cultural transition shift. So thank you for the call. Thank you for the support. Uh, Patrick, we all get the break. Um, for the other callers, Patrick, we'll get to you coming out of the break. You're listening to the Venture Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you...
Everybody get lit with looking good and feeling nice. Get your dance on all night long. So much love is in the air. What could go wrong? Technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL. Special guest Kay Wolf, as well as Ida Bird Hill, uh, she's the CEO of Automation. Um, as we said, we're going to get people up to speed on how they can protect themselves with everything that's going on. But it is a grand opportunity to, in a sense, transition our children into this. Brother Pianki had something else he wanted to say. For anybody else out there that's looking to get in on the discussion, you do need to give us a call at six four six. Seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. All right, brother Pierre, we're gonna get you back in. What you got for us, King? Well, you know, I was gonna tell brother who, since he made mention of. Actually, they had uh, uh, you had some a black couple out of Stone Mountain, Georgia, that had a online. Uh, lessons or classes for students, kids, but they was using animated characters that was teaching classes online. But uh, and also, uh, we like to talk about what we done. You know, during the uh, World War II on the Manhattan Project, which was the invention, the implication of the atomic bomb. You had 21 black scientists that worked on that project that you never hear anything about. That there is closer to today, and children, young people can associate with than 
we can when we talk about ancient times. You know, black children, black people are part of the human family. And what separates them, even in this country, is the culture and the phenotype. Phenotype is your physical being. And I was going to ask the lady that said that she made her children put their homework in the middle of the table, something to that effect. I ask you two questions. Did your family members or did your neighbors call the Division of Family Service on you for doing that to your kids? Because, believe it or not, people look at that as child abuse. And I've had people tell me, I ain't going to make my kids do that. So, without talking about what we do today, how do you get the message across? How do you get the message across to others? other parents and family members and neighbors that this is what you should be doing with your children because you're setting an example. And I'm being kind of facetious about this division of family service, but sometimes it does happen. That's my question. How do you be successful in getting that message across? Trying to work the boards. Forgive me, Ms. Ida. Let me get you back live. Sorry about that. All right, go ahead, Queen. Sorry about that. You're going. Uh, I made it very clear to my my children. You can call family services, but understand they're gonna move you out of my house because I pay the bills in my house. I feed you. I clothe you. I give you a very nice life. I pay for you traveling. I pay for your all of your extra extra curricular activities. And if you want to lose that, God bless you. But no, no institution of America is going to tell me what goes on in my house when I'm feeding the people in my house. Number two, they only want to say that's child abuse because they're making a black person smarter. Now, as long as you're feeding your kids foolishness, ain't nobody telling you that's child abuse. We walk around with smartphones, and I see people looking at the world star hip-hop, but yet they can't go to the library on that same cell phone. Or I see people walking around, they got their faith in YouTube, and YouTube has a lot of information, but they are looking at the foolishness of YouTube rather than educating themselves on what's going on in the world. So no one's going to tell me in my house how I'm going to raise my children. Now, have I had a couple people try? Yeah, they did. And I have to tell them, you don't run my house. That's the beauty of America. I got the freedom to run my house the way I want to run it. And if you don't like it, tough luck, because this is my house. Now, when you start paying my bills, then you can tell me what what I'm going to do. But as long as two children in my house live here, they are under my rules, and my rules stand. Period. Number two, I definitely understand that. I believe that not only should you have rules. But not only should you have rules, STEM should be fun. Kids like to play video games, and there are a lot of video games that evolve around science, technology, and mathematics. So my thing as a parent, you have to choose what your children do. My children didn't choose what they wanted to do. I chose what they wanted them to do. So in my house, where I see a lot of families have both five, six TVs, and kids watch what they want, that didn't happen in my house. Because we had one TV for 
video game and one TV to view. And when it was time to watch TV, I chose the shows they watched. And I give you a good example. The Simpsons came out, and all of those kids were watching the Simpsons. My kids were like, Mama, we can't see the Simpsons. That's an adult cartoon. So when you become an adult, that's when you're going to see the Simpsons. But until then, you're going to watch regular cartoons. I don't care what the rest of the world does. I determine what you see and what you do. So my kids were watching Discovery Channel. They were watching science shows and the Agony shows. I don't really care what the rest of the world does. Because at the end of the day, my job as a parent is to prepare my kids for not only the world today, but for the world that they're going to see in their future so they can be prepped for it. And so I just say to parents, you have to get back to your, your family responsibilities. Your job is to raise your kids to be productive adults for today's future. And that's your job. And you have to take your job seriously. Because it's your only Definitely. job that has lessons, that has what I call a legacy. Yeah, definitely um, respect that. Um, any thoughts, Kay, if you will, to what um, Brother Pionk I'm thinking from this way. Even with, when I hear Miss Ida bring uh, you know, in a sense, how she handled her household and things of that nature, um, you know, let's, let's at least speak on this. Um, Absolutely, because yeah, your children are yeah, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me say this real quick. Let me say this real quick. Real quick. Okay. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. So, no, what I'm saying, what I want to speak on is this this aspect as well. So the reality is a lot of our children, I was a latchkey kid or whatever, and so even getting a perspective on this across the children. I mean, I'm sorry, not the children. I'm talking about from the standpoint of, you know, yeah, we could, you know, we could say, here's what you need to do. We got to figure out how to reach because sometimes in them being overwhelmed, overwhelmed, sometimes some of what we're talking about can get lost. And so if there's approaches to simplifying it, we can just kind of get into that space for the parent who says, I hear what you're saying, however, I'm at work when my kids go home. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about having this. It's just helping parents with tools in that it in that might come up with something. Yeah, the audio is breaking up um, pretty significantly on my end, Montoya. I was trying to make out everything you're saying, but I did miss something. Okay, got you. That, yeah, that means I have a bad connection. Okay. Uh, just basically, how do we help those parents that are overwhelmed based on their work and they're not at home? I hope you heard that. And um, I'm going to call right back in answer that. I'm going to call right back in to try to improve the audio. So what I would recommend for parents is utilize the resources that are free. You already have the technology in your home. Your kid's on a tablet, a computer, a laptop, or your cell phone, or their own cell phone or tablet. Uh, direct them to GPB. There are many, many educational uh, programs and video games, STEM-related, on, uh, excuse me, not just GPB, but PBS. I'm in Georgia, so I said GPB, but Public Broadcasting Services, GP, or excuse me, PBS.org has a lot of um, Tools. So the the TV shows that your children might like to watch on PBS, if you go there, you might be able to find like um, a Daniel Tiger learns about cyberbullying 
or um, some of the other TV shows I've forgotten now because my child's a little older, but there are TV shows like, uh, what is it called, Math, Math Squad. or there's, it's, It comes on television. It airs every day. Odd Squad, excuse me, Odd Squad. And they focus on um, math and science. And then they've got the show does, the show content does. And then the video games allow the children to uh, experiment with and become familiar with and build a relationship with science tools, mathematical concepts, in a fun, dynamic, interactive way. When I, and, and speaking on legacy, you know, your children are your seeds and what you plant now is going to grow into something in the future. Um, my, to give you a little bit of background of my trajectory, my father was an engineer, is an engineer, telecom engineer. My mother is an IT consultant. And I firmly believe that the groundwork that they laid and how they, the way they structured their household and how my brother and I were brought up uh, created that environment for me to be, for my mind to develop into uh, the mind that I have today as an adult in um, network and, and cybersecurity, networking and cybersecurity and um, tech. And I have had great opportunities in broadcast. I was a broadcast technical services contractor for many years. And this was because the the exposure, early on exposure that I had to uh, computer and technologies made me just extremely comfortable with technology. And uh, my very first machine was an Apple IIe. I was four years old. And I remember when I was in kindergarten writing my first line of code. Um, wow. I had a lot of technology around me. My uh, father started out. And then when we talk about these tech careers, they're not going to, it's not going to look the same from start to finish because the more you learn, the more you're exposed to, um, the more opportunities you have to try different things. Plus, technology is ever-evolving, so you have to be constantly learning. So there will always be opportunities to try different technologies. Um, I remember when I would get in trouble as a kid, I, I put pennies, I think I was maybe three, and I was putting pennies in a computer Um my dad, uh, I think it was on Saturday maybe, found out I was sticking pennies in one of the drive slots. And my punishment was helping him take the computer apart and rebuild it. That was fun wow. for me. And that created a deep emotional connection with technology because I did it with my dad. And it was a quote-unquote punishment, but it was an, really an eye-opening opportunity to explore a new world hands-on. And no, I love I think it. Let that, me um let's go. Let me. I'm sorry to cut uh, you off. We got to go to one last I break. I think that okay, there are lots of um, there are video games online like uh, Code Combat, and I think that if a lot of parents just take the take make it effort and be intentional about what in technology you're exposing your kids to, um, that makes a huge difference. Code Combat is a programming uh, game. Um, my daughter's completed it. She knows how to. Pro program in uh, coding Python. She's 10. Um, I think children should be doing things like that, not playing video games where they're, you know, learning how to become predators and killers and playing video games that uh, role-playing shooting games um, at very young ages. And I, I think love that it. We are up against the break. 
So we'll go to a quick break. When we come back, Queen, I want you to give people insight on how they can protect themselves when it comes to all of the things that, you know, are involved in this wide world of information technology. We'll be right back for all I ask that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me again at 404-604-9477. If you're an individual, like what we're doing with what I call us the return of intelligent radio, also contact us at mentaldialogue.com and become a supporter of what we're doing. If you're outside of Atlanta, become a Mental Dialogue uh, supporter. If you're in Atlanta, please hit us up and become a mental dialogue, at minimum, a gold member. Uh, we are about to get back outside. Tomorrow we do have a invite-only special Zoom. We'll be talking cryptocurrency and our calendar for getting outside. It's been a year since we had a live event for the, for those who have experienced what experience. We're going to be trying to hit a little jazz, jazz event in June, and we're going to lay out the calendar for the year. So very excited about getting back outside. This morning's discussion question, should information technology and cybersecurity become black folks' new NBA and NFL special guest, out of Bird Hill, CEO of Automation, and Kay Wolf, a cybersecurity expert. So we will, Queen, for this last segment, we want to give some people uh, some insight into what you're doing because they're going to be able to uh, follow what you're doing and learn a little more how they can protect themselves. Obviously, you started out the show discussing you know, the big oil, U.S. oil pipeline with the ransomware. But, again, all all people are exposed to a degree if they don't know how to protect themselves. So if you will, Queen, uh, hey, if you will, get into um, some of what you're doing and what you're going to be sharing with people and what smart, smart things people can be doing to protect themselves in this arena. Absolutely. So I am teaching a, a very basic course that, your grandmother can understand, um, elementary level students can understand, and it's teaching people step-by-step what they can do to protect themselves when they are uh, using their email, um, surfing the web, and using their uh, cell phones or their computers, and it's 
very prevalent. Um, identity theft is very prevalent right now, and cyber crimes are huge. Um, and it's affecting not just countries and, and corporations, it's affecting individuals. There are uh, scammers, specifically cyber scammers. I'm sure people are very familiar with, you know, a typical scammer. Um, but when you incorporate technology, there are people out there that are geniuses at this. They're brilliant. They're innovative. They're agile. And there are individuals that are really good at cyber scamming, and they're teaching people how to do this. So uh, there's people like um, the first time I offered this course, uh, you were in the course, Montoya, and I offered it to my think tank group, our think tank group, and I introduced the character TJX6, who is a Detroit native cyber scammer, cyber scammer rapper. And some things that people can do to protect themselves and to protect themselves while they're online um, has to do with their own habits. So, uh, for instance, not I'll give you a couple of things to to protect yourself. Um, I go in depth, and I'll give you the web address to the in depth course that launches on Juneteenth. But it's there now, and you should be able to register for it. It's OTV as an Oscar Tango Victor Academy dot com forward slash members forward slash cybersecurity. I'll say that one more time. OTV as an Oscar Tango Victor Academy dot com forward slash members forward slash cybersecurity, all one word. Things that you can do uh, to help yourself not fall victim and um, protect your loved ones from falling victim are things like uh, computer and mobile security. My course goes into that in depth. Computer and mobile security, not um, leaving your computer open to malware and um, ransomware, viruses, trojans, using a basic antivirus software. If you're operating a Windows machine, uh, Windows has Windows Defender built in, and that is a, uh, a, soft, a native software to the computer, and it has what's called a firewall. You can activate the firewall, and what a firewall does is it I'm sure you're familiar with a firewall, the, the, the brick layer between units to protect a one unit from burning down another unit. Firewall acts in the same way. It protects your device from picking up any malware that might be on the network. It filters the firewall. Hey, 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 if, I, if I could real quick. Okay, if you don't mind real quick, um, because I, again, was a part of your class, like let people know, like, the sophistication of the scams, like, like while you're breaking down these different various things that they're going to learn in your class, I want people to understand how easy it is now to have these things happen to them, and that's going to make them understand why they need to get this information, if you will. Um, you know, we got about five minutes, so I want to make sure that that guy you broke down, I couldn't believe the stories he was tell telling us that you share with us. So um, protecting your uh, mobile devices is very important as well. 
And a lot of times people will go to public coffee shops and, um, you know, maybe you're at the airport or you're in flight wanting to use the in-flight network. A lot of people, a lot of times people will connect their mobile devices and expose um, all their information to hackers or bad actors who could be watching the network traffic. Um, never connect your cell phone to open, unsecured network. You want to use a um, a VPN, and I go over this in the class, it's a virtual private network, and that protects the data that's coming from your cell phone or your laptop. It protects it from being visible and um, stolen from anyone else. Uh, and it keeps it protected from snooping hackers and bad actors. Um, a RFID blocking wallet is something that you should have, everyone should have. If your cards, your credit card has a computer chip in it, it's super easy for a scanner, uh, a criminal, a hacker with a scanner to literally walk by you and pick up all the information, get your credit card number and the the all the information tied to the credit card. They can even run a transaction just by walking by. So an RFID blocking wallet, what I use is a piece of foil. I know it's like as low-tech and old-school as you can go. Um, <laughs> no, that's, that's nice. That's what I'm saying. Like, give us life hacks. Please give us yeah, life hacks. <laughs> wrap, your, wrap your card or the inside of your wallet with a, a line it with a piece of foil. Boom, RFID blocking. Um, another thing that's a common problem is checking emails and clicking on links or opening images from unknown senders. Um, even just clicking on a hyperlink in an email can automatically expose your device to malware virus. Clicking on a picture, downloading a picture, that can that too can store a malware. Uh, malware and, envi and viruses, and uh, many times people expose their entire networks to criminal oh, activity wow. by way of clicking an email that they sh had no business clicking or clicking on a link that they had no business clicking on. So basically people need to take their class. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> uh, we got a couple of minutes left, so I want to make sure we get out on Ms. Ida's um, information on how people can get into cybersecurity as well, information technology. And, um, Kay, if you will, please send me the information you gave as far as the link, and I'll make sure that it's reposted with the replays of the show. And if you do any promotions digitally, I want to make sure I'm putting that up on Mental Dialogue as well. So, Ms. Ida, again, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful show. Uh, appreciate the perspective. If you will, Queen, um, give them how they can get in contact and get information on how to be, you know, get into this career field because that's what you're helping people do. Go ahead, Queen. Sure. Automation Works website is very simple, www.autowork.org, and so that's autoworks.org, but that's works with a Z. So that's A-U-T-O-W-O-R-K-Z.org. And there you can click there and go to the bottom of the page and you see our link for IT certification classes. Click on it to apply. And then there's also a page that explains what is cybersecurity, um, how do you get in it, how do you migrate to it, what's the income levels in it, and, and to sample some of the information. No, I love it. 
And if you will, okay, give out your information again. Again, don't, don't forget to send me that, and I'll make sure I repost it. Uh, but, yeah, if you out there individually understand that these scammers are getting so sophisticated, it's so easy for them to get out information. You need this class. So if you will, Queen, give out that information again. Thank you for being with us this morning as well. Absolutely. It's OTV as an Own the Vision Academy, otvacademy.com forward slash members forward slash cybersecurity. I love it. Y'all were great. Appreciate y'all. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.